Welcome to Real Money Talks. Real strategies from the money makers and the world changers that you can use to make millions, keep those millions, multiply your wealth, and build your team. Here's your host, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View, Laurel Langmire. Hi, this is Laurel, and welcome back to Laurel's Real Money Talks, where we're talking about making money, keeping money, investing money, doing it with a team, and all of the variety of ways that money can affect your life. So you are, are back on our podcast. We do it every end of the week, just so you can have your whole weekend to ponder it, share it with your friends, pass it around. And again, you can get it on any of the app stores, iTunes, and uh, we are up and running in many, 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 many countries. So with that today, we're going to talk about how you can increase your ability to make more money by having better communication, by better strategies on how to affect and uh, I'm going to say influence people to do what you need them to do and be highly effective. So uh, what we're going to talk about is NLP. I've been NLP trained, linguistic trained. I love this topic because I think communication, which is what we do at Live Out Loud, is we have conversations about money. And communication can either get really tangled up and lose a lot of money, or communication can be brilliant and help you not only make a lot of money, but maintain great relationships. So I have Matt Browning with me today. I love this guy. I've met him a a couple of years ago, I, we've known of each other, and now we're just really supporting each other. We speak at each other's events. He's a best-selling author, master trainer of NLP. I think he does the best work at it. Like, I get very tactical with money. Uh, Mac is very tactical with NLP training. I think there's a lot of woo-woo training. Matt does great training. He was a self-made millionaire by 25 years old. He spoke and taught across the United States, he's, uh, all over the world, Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, uh, mentored by Tony Robbins, was in the movie, the Journey uh, with Brian Tracy, Bob Proctor, and consults a lot of Fortune 100 companies on leadership, communication, NLP. So U.S. Bank, uh, McPhee, New York Life, Keller Williams, you know, just those few small companies are his wheelhouse. He's an avid rock climber, great father. We just totally get along. He's fabulous. So welcome, Matt. Laurel, thanks for having me. That uh, Wow, what an intro. I mean, I wrote up and you read it. So thank you for that. <laughs> Glad to be here. All right. So um, I love doing our work together because what you do and what I do are so, I'm going to say, collaborative and integrated. And if you actually learn both, you will become a millionaire too. So again, Matt was a millionaire at 25. I, I waited a little longer. I was playing, I think, a little more than you. I was spending a lot of my money skiing around the world. So I got there at 34. You can all get there. NLP and communication is just critical. So I know you didn't start there and you didn't become a millionaire doing that. You started in uh, you know, financial services and real estate. So why did you go from real estate to you know, doing this work? Tell us about your background, that leap. That was a big one. Sure. Leap. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, so you know, it's funny. When it comes to money, I think early on, one of the easiest ways to, to think about it is I didn't grow up with a lot of money. I didn't grow up dirt poor or anything. You know, we had Christmas presents and whatnot, but we never had like a surplus or an abundance. And when I was 18, I'd never gone on a family vacation before. And I, I went and worked with these brothers who were in the mortgage business. And they basically just taught me from the ground up, mentored me and, and interned me. Um, they even paid me for it, how to do their business. And I learned about credit and I learned about houses and I learned about everything. And I sent myself on my first vacation to Cancun at 18. And I bought my first house at 19. And then by 21, I, I think I had my second or third house. 
And by 25, I had a $5 million portfolio and I was a self-made millionaire and I, I had my own business for three years. And I kind of like pinched myself and woke up and thought, man, I really hit this, this success level thing that you know, a lot of people, you know, if you're listening and you think that's a, some people think that's a good start. Some people think that's uh, a unattainable dream, wherever you are. For me, that was huge. And then I, I made the biggest mistake of my life. I went to a seminar with Tony Robbins and he started talking about how you can change people's lives and how your patterns don't define you. And he started showing me how you can change these like habits and unconscious patterns and unconscious thermostats that we have in life. And I just fell in love with the concept and, and I knew there was something more for me that I wanted to do. So in a very real way, I, re- I started laying down my real estate company and I walked into a new season of life. And the new season was trying to become whew, a life coach and not making any money doing it, but I wanted to change people's lives. And I think a lot of people I run into in, in our seminars and workshops, they, they relate to going from a season change, right? From like, I knew that the season in real estate for me was coming to an end and it was time to change into a new industry, a new business, uh, something that really made my heart sing. And I realized, you know, when I come to your big table, there's always so many people who almost had the reverse. They're doing something as a career and they want that to come to a season change. And the new season is maybe getting back into real estate, which by the way, Laura, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to this year. We're going to get back into some investment properties and things. But it, that's not my with life. Me. That's not my identity with now. With me, well, I'm sure. I mean, we're going to find something. Yeah. Exactly. So talk about NLP. I mean, what is that exactly? Because I think that it gets just like money, right? People take a carve out of it and think it's something that is not. So in Matt's you know, definition, what is it and why is it important? Well, if you've heard of NLP before, you've probably heard of it in context. And there's all sorts of contexts, both positive and negative out in the world. What NLP really is, is called neuro-linguistic programming. I'll give you a couple of definitions that maybe make it... I don't know. Like, that's how I think of it in my mind. The first definition is some people call it the lost user manual for the brain. We weren't born... like you know, Parents know we weren't born with the user manual for our kids. And certainly, right... And we also weren't born for a user manual for how this brain thing works, whether it's you know looking at biochemistry, it's internal language, it's how we image things in our mind and how we imagine things, why in seventh grade, you could drop all your books in the hallway and everybody laughs at you, when you know, and kicks your books when you're down and, and you're trying to clean them up and you're so embarrassed and you just wish it would die and, and you, know, you can crawl into a little hole. If you've ever had an experience like that, the way we imagine our memories both past and future visions is what NLP centers on quite a bit is actually shifting the way we internalize processes and the way we, the way we internalize memories. Because sometimes what happens is in that scenario, you relive it over and over and over and over again. And every time you do it stacks and gets more intense and more vivid. And pretty soon you're making up lies about it. And you're remembering someone standing there pointing and laughing and they weren't even there in the first place. Our memories and the way our brains work is so complex And I I don't think in science, we've even scratched the surface of how our brains really work. So what I love about NLP is one of the other definitions you could use to call it is the study of subjective experience. We study why for one person, I'll I'll use food as an example, it's the easiest thing that we can wrap our minds around. Why does one person love oysters? Laurel, do you love oysters or hate oysters? I think they're disgusting. Okay, perfect, right? slimy, nasty, but yet someone next to you, it could be an aphrodisiac and they love them. And it's the exact same taste, structure, consistency. They're the same oysters. It's our same taste buds. We all have seven basic tastes in our mouth, on our tongues, unless there's anything drastically abnormally wrong. 
all of us have the same data collectors, right? Same environment. But why does one person love and one person hates them? Why does one person who grows up being beaten as a child grow up and prove that father you know, or mother wrong and go start a successful business or, or start a huge charity? But someone else believes that they're not worth anything and they end up being homeless and they can't make their life work. And what NLP is about is not so much being affected by our environment, but looking at what's my subjective interaction with my environment. Okay, I got hit as a kid. If I, I didn't, but you know, if I got hit as a kid or... If my parents were there, if they weren't there, if they got divorced, if we had money, we didn't have money. There are kids who grow up rich and continue to be wealthy. And there are kids that grow up poor and continue to be poor. And there's plenty of kids that grow up and do the opposite, right? They grow up poor and become wealthy or grow up wealthy and become poor. NLP is a study of why do we do what we do and how do we change those deep, deep unconscious habits that do not serve us. And I think every one of us, Laurel, has a, a habit that we do, whether it's daily or just in our mind or our self-talk that we do, that we want to change. And for some reason or another, we just keep it on autopilot. NLP is really how to get your life off autopilot. How's that one? That's really good. That's really good. And so, and you know, you've talked a lot about habits, right? So it's the most important area, you know, to focus on. And I'd say, you know, the habits that cause feelings, because then you're even getting, you know, deeper into that unconscious spot. Talk about why it's just, it's so critical for someone to be successful to have a high awareness. I mean, really high, high effectiveness with that. I'll let you say, cause I can go on and sure. on about, in fact, I just had a, not a scolding meeting, but a pretty intense kind of kick in the pants meeting with all of our kind of mastermind tailors. Like you say, you want to get rich, but your habits haven't changed. Like you yes. still can't behave like a poor person and say you want to get rich, you're out of integrity. So it's exactly. a similar. So a lot of people think of NLP and just personal development in general as like positive thinking or goal setting or, you know, setting intentions and, and, and that kind of a thing. And to be honest, like it, it couldn't be further from the truth. I think it's, I mean, you were in the secret for goodness sakes. And you know, like one of the biggest complaints of that movie, it was awesome for so much uh, awakening. But what happened is everybody kind of agreed, all the experts as well, that positive thinking isn't supposed to be the message. It's positive habits right? It's behavioral change. You have to get off off the couch and do something. You can't just imagine having a sports car. You got to go create the revenue. So to me, our habits are everything. Aristotle said it best. He said, excellence isn't a goal. It's a habit. Our life is the sum total of all of our habits at the end of our life. The habit is the behavior that you do habitually, right? Over and over again. So what do you do more than one time, more than two times? How do you wake up in the morning? How do you go to sleep at night? What are your eating habits? What are your exercise habits? When you get surplus money in the bank, what's your natural unconscious, like subconscious inclination? What's the urge of what you want to do? Is the urge to spend it? Is the urge to save it? Is the urge to invest it? Is the urge to help someone? Charity, right? Like, And we all have these unconscious desires and habits that that's what we do. Now we have unconscious desires and we do have unconscious habits. Habits are the things we do over and over again. And one of the things that NLP is best at is actually looking at the unconscious pattern that creates a habit and then intervening before the habit takes. I'll give you a quick example. So um, a phobia is one of my favorite things. I, I do this all the time at, at the personal growth events. We do one called Accelerate. It's a three-day like NLP foundations course. And on there, I'll give you an example of how we can sort of rewire the mind in just a few minutes. And I, to do that, I bring someone up on stage that has a severe phobia. The last person I did this with, he was a, almost a 70-year-old man. He had a phobia of needles his entire life since he was just a few years old. So much so that he wouldn't go to the doctor. 
And he said, I know I need to go, but I know they're going to draw my blood. So I kind of have put it off for the last few years. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like you need to go. Like you, you need to get yourself checked out right now. But he said it, it, was, it was this this phobia. So within a few minutes, what I do is I, I go through this unconscious process where we basically pull up in an original memory. We scramble. It's, it seems kind of crazy. But the neat thing is instead of judging by what the process looks like, you know, there's a good book that says judge things by their fruit. And we always have to judge things by the result of what the outcome is. So it doesn't matter what I do. I could shake a magic stick at him. But in 10, 15 minutes, if I show him a needle, which I did, and then I put it on his arm, which I did, and he doesn't, doesn't have any reaction, doesn't jump, doesn't scream, doesn't uh, even move away. He just looked at it and went, huh. And he said, for the first time in 60 years, I haven't been afraid of a needle. And I make that distinction. I've done this with phobias with hundreds of people. And the reason it works is because a phobia is a habit. It's an unconscious habitual reaction to a, a stimulus, whether it's spiders or needles or snakes or birds or heights or, or water or the number 13 or whatever it is. Every single human has known someone else with a phobia, or maybe you yourself has, have a phobia. When you can intervene and get rid of that, instead of trying to stop the habit later on, and this is what most people do. Here's a snake and they go, oh, I'm scared. And then you try to talk them off the ledge, so to speak, right? Try to, try to intervene when they're already having a reaction. In NLP, we're going to go before it starts, and we're going to look at the unconscious neuro pattern that establishes the habit, that starts it in the first place. So if that makes sense, the whole concept is if I intervene before the pattern started, the pattern can never start. It's almost like the Terminator, you know, like going back in time and stopping Sarah Connor before, you know, before the leader of the resistance ever comes. It's going back before the pattern ever starts in our unconscious mind and our neurology and then intervening so we can't access it anymore. And I scramble the memory. And what happens is, is nine times out of 10, when the, people think about their stimulus that freaked them out a minute ago, now they start laughing. And the last time out of 10, they just kind of have a neutral response. But most people laugh about it. So it's about intervening at that habit level and before it happened. And I realize we only have a few minutes here. So it's a fairly short time. When we have longer together at some of the longer workshops I do and uh, some of the longer like virtual trainings, I'll take people through step-by-step uh, step and teach, how do you find out the habit that needs to change? How do you discover the starting point in time of the habit? And then how do you discover what the trigger that starts it and then scramble the trigger, interrupt the trigger so the trigger doesn't pull anymore? And then what happens is when, when there's no trigger, there's no bullet, right? Everything else changes. So I want to just go a little bit deeper on the, like, how do you do the deep ingrained ones? Because I find the deep ingrained ones are unconscious. You don't even know unless someone's giving you the feedback that you're doing that ridiculous thing. <laughs> no, yeah, no, that's exactly right. So, so I guess there's two ways to look at it is, are you even aware that you do it? That's one thing. And how do you change something you're not aware you do? Well, you can't. <laughs> you have to be aware of it at some point. But as long as it's come into your awareness and you know you do it, but you're not aware of how you start it. I'll give you a different example for this. There was a woman who came to a, a seminar who was single and wanted to be in a relationship desperately, but couldn't because she was desperately terrified that if she fell in love with a partner, that that partner would discover this deep, dark secret of her. And her deep, dark secret was every night she sucks her middle finger really, really bad, like sucking the thumb. She sucks her middle finger and she, and she does it all unconsciously while she sleeps. She had no clue she was doing it, but she wakes up every morning and she's like, it was terrible. There's, and she was kind of a comedian. So she said, you know, there was drool and, and my fingers all like, like, you know, you were in the bathtub for three hours. And it was just like wrinkled and nasty. And she said, I just have this fear that I'm going to wake up and roll over in bed. And my partner's going to be staring at me, my nasty finger, my slime. 
and go, I don't want to be with you anymore. So as a result, it seems silly almost, but she's been scared of that. So for more than 10 years, she's unfortunately chosen to be single and she really wanted a relationship. So she came up on stage. I said, what have you tried to change this? And here's the difference between surface level and deep level. On the surface, we try to change habits and behaviors too late in the game, meaning not too late in life, but too late in the act of doing them. So have you ever known someone who bites their nails? What do they always do? One of the things that's really famous is you put on uh, bitter nail polish on your nails to try to stop it. The problem with that is by the time your fingernails are already in your mouth, or in her case, by the time her finger was already in her mouth, it's already too late. You're already unconsciously, you're in the middle of the behavior. Even though you haven't technically bitten your nails yet, you're already in the middle of the behavior and it's too late to intervene then. So she said, I've tried bitter nail polish. She said, I've tied my hands down in bed and I got rope burns and untied them in the middle of the night asleep. She said, the worst thing I ever did, and this is disgusting. She said, I put my finger in cat feces and everyone grimaced. And I said, well, what happened? And she said, and she said it tasted terrible. And I went, oh my, I can't even believe like she's tried everything. But she hasn't tried NLP because what she did is she tried to change in the middle of the behavior. All we did is I took her back in her memory into a time that she went and did this, even though she was asleep. And I went back and I went kind of on a timeline with her and went to the exact moment she was doing it. And then I said, imagine going an hour before. Do you feel like you're doing it now? She said, no, of course not. I'm just watching TV. Do you have any urge to do it? No. And what that tells us is that an hour before you're doing it, you absolutely have no desire to do this bad behavior or this habit. Same with, I mean, fill in the blank, right? Eating a a Krispy Kreme donut, sleeping in and procrastinating when you know you want to get up and work out, whatever, making cold calls, whatever it is. But then if you fast forward an hour and you're in the act of it, you already feel compelled to do it. So we kept kind of narrowing in from the past to the future until we finally got to that point that was just a few seconds or a few minutes before the act started. And we found the exact second in time that was what we call our trigger. So she went from, okay... I don't need to do it the next second. Now I feel like I'm desiring to do that. And what we did is we took that trigger, that image in her mind that actually triggered the bad behavior. And we did what's called a swish with NLP. And we went through an NLP technique to scramble that internal picture in her mind. And what happened, again, it seems like almost woo-woo. It's totally not. It's just paying attention to how we have our internal communication in our minds with picture sounds, feelings, smells, and self-talk. And when we scrambled the internal representations in her mind, the next time she went and got that picture in her mind, because it was so scrambled, like a, like a, a VCR that ate a tape, if anyone's old enough to remember those things, you know, you can't play the tape again, right? You scratch a CD, you can't play the CD again. The, the, the pattern is ruined. So that trigger went off in another direction and she started laughing instead of going back to it. I checked back with her months later and never again. It was amazing. She said, every night, now I have no issue. It doesn't happen anymore because the trigger that was going to start the bad behavior never starts it. So if you take nothing else away from this, take this. Every habit has a trigger that triggers it to start. There's a lot more we can talk about, of course, about identifying triggers and where to find them and what to do and so forth. But start thinking that every habit you have, good and bad, has a trigger that starts that. There's a trigger that starts you with the desire to go to the gym and work out. There's a trigger that starts you with the desire to eat uh, and meal prep and eat healthy foods. There's also a trigger that might desire you to eat junk food. And let's talk about money. A trigger that might desire you to blow all your money to feel better about yourself and get some new gadgets. There's a trigger that might compel you to look at the money you have in excess and go, whoa, hang on, that's $300. I can save that and start investing with it, right? Like it's all attitudes and habits, but before the habit is always a trigger. 
We got to get to the heart of it, which is changing the trigger. Awesome. I love it. So how do you start the process of learning it? I mean, I think you've given us quite a compelling you know, reason why we need to. And again, I want to roll this all to money because again, these skills just enhance your life. They enhance your communication. They enhance your relationships. And I'll just share a personal story. I just got back from a big road dog and pony show, we call it, raising $75 million throughout Canada. And I could tell you if I didn't have these skills and I didn't have that ability to present, to communicate properly, to be succinct, not tell the stupid stories that most people tell that are irrelevant, we wouldn't have been there. And I mean, we were acknowledged, actually, because my partners are also trained in high-level skill communication. I mean, we were acknowledged as one of the best you know, pitch teams that they've seen in months which is a lot for big you know, investment bankers, merchant bankers to say. So this is critical. And if you're sitting out there going, how does this relate to money? And the world's got a money talk. And now we're talking about NLP. So just so uh, I you know, want to link and contextualize why it's so critical. Absolutely. Um, yeah. and so- the junk food, the, uh, the nail biting, these are just examples to wrap around the idea of what the process is. You use it in any context. You can use that for bad habits around money, good habits around money, attitudes around money, attitudes around business and hard work, all those things. You can use the exact same process on any of that. And if it works on a phobia, it can work on anything. Exactly. So how does someone get started? So I I get asked a lot too, like, you know, what should you recommend a book? What should I do? Should, you know, there's a few different ways to to consider this. Number one, books are not going to teach you NLP. Even CD and audio programs, it's really tough. I would highly suggest no matter where you are in the world, find an immersive seminar type environments. Find a place where you can go and live in person with people, learn some of this information and then try it on. Try it on yourself and try it on other people. So, I mean, that, that's literally the first thing to do. Of course, I have NLP foundation trainings. We do a couple of times a year called Accelerate. I'm in Orange County, California. People come from all over for it. If I'm not your cup of tea, find your cup of tea. If I am, I'd love to have you come out and you can obviously find out more about that. But definitely get yourself into a live immersive environment somewhere as quick as you can. And then you'll know for sure if you can really use and apply the NLP information to change your mindset, your money, your investments, your habits, and everything else. Exactly. I know you have a podcast. I'm going to be on your podcast work and they download your podcast and uh, hear more about you. Thanks, Laurel. And yeah, you are going to be on. It's going to be awesome. So our podcast is called The Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. It's about uncovering the origin stories from successful people and what makes them tick and what's behind the scenes in their stories and in their habits as to why they've done what they've done and why they've created what they've created. So I have a lot of fun with that. And then everyone I have on um, will also you know, will teach some aspects of the thing they do great in life or in business. So if you are an entrepreneur or an aspiring entrepreneur, it'll be awesome. If you're an everyday person, you're still going to love it. There's a ton of nuggets of wisdom there. So you can go to mattbrauningpodcast.com. So it's mattbrauning, B-R-A-U-N-I-N-G, podcast.com. And you can subscribe on every platform, Stitcher and Spotify and iTunes and all that. And then you can also, if you want to get more information, this is important. If you go there, you can also hit subscribe for updates and you'll pop up on, on the list and we'll give you information on any seminars coming up, any workshops coming up. And we'll give you a very, very, very special uh, ticket price, which is just absurdly silly. It'll be about 95% off if you came from Laurel's people. So if you're one of Laurel's people, I would love for you to be a my person and spend some time together. So mattbrowningpodcast.com. That's where you can connect with me. Then my social media is on there. Say hi. And uh, then you can subscribe to the podcast. Absolutely. 
So thank you, Matt. I look forward to uh, doing uh, more business talking soon, as we always do. And the rest of you, if you've enjoyed the podcast, go to asklaurel.com. It's A-S-K-L-O-R-A-L.com. It's where you uh, put in your name, phone number, email, ask a question, make a request, even if you want some private time. We have people doing it all of the time. So our goal is to help you have a new conversation with money. And it has to start today. So thanks for listening, all of you around the world. And we'll be back next week, same time, same channel. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Real Money Talks podcast. Your host has been Laurel Langmire, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View. Want to learn more about off-Wall Street investing, tax strategies, and multi-million dollar business strategies? Visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast for past episodes, show notes, and resources. For some special wealth building gifts only for Laurel's podcast listeners, visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast gifts. Do you have a burning question for Laurel? Visit asklaurel.com to submit your question, and it may just be covered on a podcast episode. So stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to get new episodes every week.